They say when a baby is born, so is a mother. But while you are there to help your baby grow into the person he or she is meant to be, who is there to help you? Many women feel lost and alone when they become mothers, wondering, who am I now? Sometimes it feels like the transformation from woman to mother is as radical as a caterpillar's transformation into a butterfly. Did you know that inside the chrysalis, the caterpillar literally turns into goop before it rearranges itself into a butterfly? This podcast is about the goop, what soul transformation looks like as you transition from being a woman to a mom. Your baby's growth matters, but yours does too. You're not alone. I'm your host, Brittany Ming. Welcome to the Motherhood Metamorphosis. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Motherhood Metamorphosis. I'm your host, Brittany Ming, and today we are talking to Danielle Johnsrud. Danielle is passionate about leadership and serving others to do their best work and see their potential. She is a higher education professional working in post-secondary education for nearly 15 years. She believes in intentional conversations and lifelong learning and living on mission. In December 2020, Danielle's best friend, teammate, and colleague, her husband, lost his short battle with cancer. She has been learning how to navigate grief while leading and parenting a child through this experience as she is mom to a creative and inspiring four-year-old daughter. Danielle loves her West Coast ocean living, listening to CBC and podcasts of all varieties, hand-dripping a freshly roasted cup of coffee, and learning to be grateful in all circumstances while finding purpose through the challenges. So welcome, Danielle. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. So we have a mutual friend, Kelly, and she connected us. And I'm so glad she did because just in our brief email interactions, I actually told Kelly the other day that you were just had a lovely soul and I was really excited to talk to you. So thank you so much for coming on here today. I wanted to start out with, we shared a little bit of your story in the introduction, but today I wanted to talk specifically about grief and losing a life partner. And you so graciously agreed to come on and tell your story. So I wonder if you could tell us about your husband and his life and your love and your loss. Yeah, my husband Ian um, is quite a unique soul. Um, I actually first met him almost about nine years ago um, when we were, he was on a contract uh, work. And my first interaction was kind of like, hmm, who is this person? Um, but our, uh, our friendship grew and it really grew out of friendship and mutual respect. And then eventually turned into this really interesting love story. Um, um, you mentioned our mutual friend, Kelly, uh, that had brought us together, uh, that had brought you and I together, both Kelly and my husband ended up working together, but um, we worked in student housing, actually. We come from post-secondary background. Uh, and, you know, being able to work a few projects together and just gain a better sense of friendship with each other kind of launched us into this relationship. And so we actually started dating in um, May of 2013, and he proposed uh, in August 2013, and we were married in November 2013. Uh, So it was quite this like intense journey. And when we kind of had decided that we were going to be together and move forward in a marriage. It was like, we're going to make, we're going to put all this effort and work into it. And he was just like this soul that pursued things, 
with excellence and intention. Um, and he just wanted to do this right, wanted to do marriage right and wanted to, you know, neither one of uh, both of us were pretty career minded and we're like, well, you know, if we happen to stumble upon a relationship or stumble into family life, that's great. Um, but it wasn't something that we were like both uh, kind of on that journey until we found each other. And so uh, because we did similar type of work, we really connected over those things and we kind of drew the best out of each other. And we moved out to the West Coast January 2014. And so for us, it was kind of this intense meeting. And then through it, like um, he's one of these individuals that has always the half glass full kind of person, so optimistic and so about seeing like challenge. Uh, and he's like, you know, um, like when he got cancer, he even said, you know what, this is an opportunity for us we are going to grow so much just because of this opportunity and I was like who are who are you and um you know that was kind of he's kind of a force to be reckoned with and um you know as someone who I'm a little bit scatterbrained and a little bit shy and but also very passionate and I love relating to people so we were kind of this nice happy compliment and you know we chose to do life as an inventor and say like what are we what's the next step and so you know, we did similar work. We moved out here to the island. He worked at a university. Uh, we renovated our house. And like, he's even the type, like, just just pursued so much interest, but took so much care and intention out of everything that he did. And so, you know, about three and a half years into our marriage, we had our first daughter, but we were also doing both of us our master's degree. And he he's like the type of person I started to to do my master's. And I was like, you know, we moved out here and I said, I, you know what, I don't know if that's the journey I want to go on anymore. And he's like, you know, you always wanted to do it. So we're going to do it. And I'm like, but we can't afford to do it. And he's like, you know what, we're just going to make it. And uh, he did that. And then a few months later, he's like, you know what, like, I think I'm going to do my master's too. And I was like, what, we've been asking you to do this forever. Like you are in post-secondary, you're a leader, you're going to do this. And he's like, yeah, my mom told me, you told me, but Moss told me, but I just decided one day I'm going to do my master's. So he applied to his master's and started the journey too, because he said I was doing it. He said, what better way uh, to be able to encourage you, to support you and to also grow myself. And so we both uh, went on this journey of doing our master's together um, through it, I got pregnant about halfway through while well, he was working full time and I was working full time uh, and we just navigated this journey. So everything was always like a sprint. I felt like I'm like, when is our just marriage going to fall into this pattern? And so in 2017, we had our beautiful little girl, Harper, uh, and he was just the most wonderful dad. He decided to do the parental leave because I had just gotten a contract in kind of my dream area in student affairs. Uh, and he wanted me to persist through it. So he took the parental leave and stayed with her the entire year while doing his master's, while doing some consulting work and just um, journeying with me. And I felt that was, I, that was its own challenge. Like I could unpack that experience and how difficult it was to, you know, decide to go back to work and how you go from this mom guilt of like, I'm not good enough mom, or um, I should be at home with my child or all these different things. But he kind of na helped navigate that. And he, he was always there challenging and championing me. Um, like I even like remember, like, I was at work one day full time. He was, I had a project due for my master's and had to be printed. He's running across town with Harper in his little like pouch. Uh, and then they have time and they come write me a card and, and say that they're so proud of me. You know, it's, it's, it's just those type of things that he, he was always doing. And he was this visionary, like he had this vision for our marriage and for our life and how we were going to be as a couple. Uh, we did some consulting work on the side together. 
And, you know, from the journey of doing our master's, from parenting to going into the workforce, hitting COVID, and he was just this, again, I was just so overwhelmed and this force to be reckoned with. And he says, Danielle, it's our time to lead. Like what more of an opportunity we have to lead our people, to support our people. And he was like the front ahead leading that challenge. And so that's March, 2020. And um, about four months later, he started to develop the sinus infection. Um, we couldn't we couldn't figure what this was. And uh, he, in the summer, started to grow sores in his mouth and we were tested and they're like, it's not cancer. We're like, oh, thank goodness, thank goodness. Then too, it was cancer. And um, we were told in September that it was cancer, that it was a one in two million type of cancer, uh, but it was treatable and they were so happy about that. So we're like, okay, here we go. And he's like, he worked until October and he's like, we're going to do this. We have a good foundation. We have a good marriage. We have this beautiful child, this beautiful house. We are going to grow again, our leadership capacity, and we're going to grow together as a couple. And, and yeah. And he went through the most incredible journey. He's like one of those people that you watch and he was just so inspiring through even his cancer treatment. Like he would go uh, where he had to go get radiation. He was um, on, like, he'd have to go for five days, get radiation treatment. And then he would come back home. And I was like, well, I need to go with you. He's like, no, I'm capable. I can walk to my treatments. So, you know, every Sunday I'd pack him his food for the week with little notes every day to encourage him through this journey. And he's like, I got this. Like, he's like, I want to show up, you know, every, like when he first got cancer and we, we come from a faith background too. I was like, oh, you know, we gotta you know, pray for your cancer or whatever. And he's like, I want to be a difference to my doctors. I want to be a difference to my family. Uh, and then, yeah, I'd like to, to get better from this. But it was always about other people first and who he was going to be and how he was going to show up. So he made it his mission every day to say hi to every single person that he connected with the cancer clinic, uh, to ask them about their day, to try to make a joke. And then every single night he would call me and ask me about my day, how it went with Harper, and then what I was grateful for that day. Because there had to be a good thing in the day. And he would always say, DJ, what's the best part of your day? And so through his even cancer journey, he was, I'm trying to like shape this kind of man he was uh, and partner for me. Like he was always concerned about us and other people. And, you know, and so we go through this journey and there was a hiccup in December that they felt was unrelated to the cancer. But I just, nothing sat right for me. Nothing about this felt good. Um, and going through COVID and, not being able to go in to appointments with your spouse and to advocate uh, was really, really difficult. And on December 23rd, they called us to say cancer was everywhere in his body. And, um, you know, when you get a phone call like that about the person you most love in your life, you're like, but no, we can still do this. And I remember saying, you're not going to die. And then he's like, oh, DJ, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to push. And four days later, he passed away. Um, but in the hospital again, it was about, others like everything was about who like he you know he held on to my parents arrived from Ontario his parents were here his sister was here and when my parents arrived into the hospital he grabbed my my parents hand and he's like to my mom he's like I know we didn't always agree on things it's just like and he's like but I want to thank you for the best seven years of my life because you gave me your daughter and I want to thank you for that uh and he was held my dad's hand and he's like Dan you're a good man he's like, I need you to know that. And you are going to take care of these girls. I know that. And I just want to thank you. And he's like, and so he did that. So he like blessed them. And then he, he said to me, he's like, DJ, you're going to be okay. 
He's like, in six weeks, you're going to go back to work. I was like, no, there's no way I'm losing you like forever. He's like, you're going to go back to work and you're never going to give up on your dreams because I know that about you. And he's like, and even if I'm not here, your dreams matter. And I was like, well, what do you want to do for Harper? Like what, who, who do you want to be? Like what, how do I, he's like, you are her mom and you're going to know what to do. He's like, but I want you to know that to never lose a sense of adventure with her. Um, that she knows that we do hard as a family to know that her church community cares about her and that I love her very, very much. And that's all. And that's all I want to know. And then he's like, and I need you. If you can send me, send this email to my bosses to say, thank you. <laughs> so I'm sending a leadership, lead, his leadership an email. And then he turned to his doctor and he said, I want to thank you for everything that you did for me. And, you know, and he died on the 27th. And so it was just like, his end of life is a showcase of how he was through his life, kind of a force to be reckoned with around just the possibility and everything. Like, I wouldn't say he was like, you know, you, you meet people and they're like, well, they're just kind of a cheesy, like they have no real grip on reality. I think he always knew that life was short and that we needed to, um, he, he always said that he wanted to, when he died, he wanted to fall into heaven tired is what he used to say, because he's like, what's the point if I'm not going to work hard in this life to make this difference. And so, you know, I lived that way. And then I think his life has helped me through my current journey. And so to lose a partner like that has been just world shattering and, you know, only been being together for less than a decade um, felt like, you know, most of my life, because I think the foundation, when you, when you are with someone, they become, well, they become one with them and you become, you give, take of each other right like there's that sacrifice into that relationship and so as I reflected in my first few weeks of grief is just how much our relationship prepared me for this moment the ups and the downs of it his attitude and optimism um his ability to even teach me how to be grateful in circumstances that are just feeling like beyond what you could be grateful for and to to recognize and embrace like those things and those values in our everyday life and that's been the new challenge of navigating that with my daughters like how do we keep him alive in our family and who we are so it's a little bit about my story and meeting him I mean I'm just struck hearing about him and I like feeling all the love that you have for him. And I just, I feel emotional, like hearing your story just, and not that it's so sad, but it is, but that you loved him so much. And like that he was just this light in the world. And Mm -hmm. thank you. Like, thank you for sharing about him. Like he is, is, and was, and always will be just this beautiful person in the world. Tell me about your daughter. Tell me about how you talk to her about her dad now and maybe when you told her that daddy was gone yeah that was wow that was was tough I was having my moment just even thinking about it um because I remember like getting her to the hospital to say goodbye and I'm like was that ever a right decision because you know everything in her interactions with him was so good you know they were so close but you know when we brought her to the hospital room she gave his kisses and said goodbye and she doesn't really remember that moment. And I'm actually kind of thankful for that because she only remembers the phone calls like in between the hospital visit. Well, where he passed away was actually about an hour and a half away from where we lived. And so we had to go to a hotel and then the next morning we drove home. And 
my husband's sister was there and his parents and my parents and we're having this conversation and you know it's Christmas time too so she's jumping around and she's so full of joy like she doesn't really understand because and then she we were talking about golf my husband played golf and she said well daddy's teaching me how to play golf mommy when I turned five and I said well daddy's not going to be able to teach you how to play golf and she's like no, daddy is going to teach me how to play golf. No, granny's going to teach you how to play golf. And I said, daddy isn't here. We had told her that he had died and what that meant. And for us and our family, we talk about it being in heaven. So for her as a three-year-old, it's pretty abstract. And so I said, she, he's not going to be able to do it. Like for her, he's always went to the hospital and come back, hospital and come back. And so when she recognized that, she burst into tears and started crying and she's like but my daddy is teaching me this and I said no daddy is not here he's gonna live here but he's not here and she cried and cried and cried and it was for that first moment and that was about two to three days later after he had passed away that he wasn't coming back home and so from then I said well how do we keep him here in terms of what who he was and is um to her because yeah that's he was going to teach her how to golf um and so we struggled with those like physical moments of like she was connecting the dots the space that he wasn't here like we had the place on the couch that where he was he kind of spent most of the time even when he wasn't ill it was right by the ocean so he could see out and so I sat there and she's like that's daddy's spot you can't sit there and she burst into tears and I said okay honey let's and I pulled into my lap and she's like so you know daddy would really want us to share do you not do you think and she's like yeah and I think daddy wants to share these moments with us too even if he's not here and so from then I made it a point to not shy away from questions she had which were really hard uh, because all I wanted to do is just kind of curl in a hole and and be left alone and um so she started to talk about like where her daddy is and what does that mean? And so we would have those conversations um, to like his favorite song, like one of his favorite songs would come up and she wants it to stay where I just wanted to change that channel because it hurts so much, the waves of just like this intense experience that you're having. And so I would not, I would push, I would feel it. Like I would cry myself. And then we would talk about that. And so one of the things we started to do right off the bat is talk about daddy memories, like what she loved most. And I started to record those um, because at three, you know, I started to think about how, how am I going to have this conversation for when she's 10? Is she really going to remember that her special dates with daddy at the park or special breakfast? Cause he would make her special breakfast every day. And they would listen to you Saturday morning cereal bowl and sing and dance. And he'd play guitar with her. Like, how do I, capture these things so every day we would talk about something and we would record it and then every day and then we started reading more books and talking about what are those feelings that she's bringing to the table like why like is she sad and at three they're just starting to understand like what sad and mad is and just kind of going and uh, like wrestling those things from putting a book together with like, it says Harper's dad and it sits in her bedroom so she could open it every day and see how much love he had for her. And so like every occasion we go through, we talk about like his birthday just passed in January and um, the sense of adventure is something we want to honor and embrace. And so we say, what's that sense of adventure that we're going to have this year together? 
what is the trip that we're going to do? What is something that we're going to experience? What do you think dad would have loved about this? And then we try something new. So we're like, what are we going to try new this year? Like I invested in the stock market because he would have liked doing that. I didn't want to, but it's my new thing this year. So she w- we would talk about that. And this, this a couple of weeks ago, we're watching a movie and it was Ice Age. And she sees the saber tooth tiger who makes the joke. And she starts laughing and laughing and laughing. She's like, he is hilarious. My dad would love this. He is so funny. Cause, and so we have been sharing this past year how funny her dad was. So it's just all those moments that, you know, you get the pain of being really sad or wanting to turn it off or not touch it, where we just kind of sit in it. And his parents have been so great about that too. And so we just kind of lean, we call it leaning into it even to the point of like, oh, mom, why are you crying? Like, I don't like it when you're, is your heart still broken? That's what she asked me. And I said, yeah, my heart is broken. Uh, and, you know, it will heal again, but it's going to take time. And sometimes those little pieces, those little memories still have really, they hurt mommy's heart. And, um, but there's also so much happiness in those moments too. And so we just, we go back and forth with that. And so it's just, it's it's been you kind of wrestle with these things all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And lately, like she has those fleeting memories. Like I can tell uh, when she's sad or she's sitting and I said, what are you thinking about? She's like, I was thinking about my last birthday and not her last birthday with my last birthday. That's in October. She's like, no, my last birthday with daddy. Uh, And I'm like, go tell me about it. And some of the memories are fleeting. And I think that's bothering her. But the feelings of what it was is still there. So we really try to get to the, and then working with her daycare providers to be open and honest and saying, like, we talk about it. If she talks about it, can you journey with her through it? And they've been so gracious about doing that as well. Yeah. I loved all of the practical things that you shared about just stepping into those moments with her and being so real and thinking about her grief journey and your grief journey. And I'm sure that they are both, they're separate, but there's just this intersectionality of like that you're journeying together and healing together. Does that, does that resonate with how much time translating this? <laughs> That's what I'm hearing uh, from you. It is. And I think uh, my healing has, it, it is going to be a work in progress for a long time. And I think one thing with grief is you never like, I think it was actually Andrew Garfield that said it just recently about his mom passing. It's like the the grief or the tears that you shed are just all that love that you didn't get to share with that person being expressed out of you. And so um, I kind of try to take that lens of it. And so she doesn't necessarily understand that it's grief uh, and it's impacting her in a way. And I've been trying to get that as a parent. It's like, is she just being poor or is this something like, from this past year's experience that has been impacting her. But my journey, being able to openly talk about it, because as a person, I've always been challenged with being able to share my personal feelings and being able to speak like, this is what I'm feeling and this is what, and that's okay to feel this way. And this is what I know to be true about like moving forward when it, and it's forced me to kind of actually have to practice that within myself. And so yeah, it is definitely linked and shared, but I actually don't know what I would do if I didn't have her, to be honest. I think that this journey would, there's also a reason to get up in the morning too. Like you're like, I want to be a good parent to her. doesn't mean that I'm not going to have my really, really bad days, which you definitely do. 
And then sometimes you're just stressed out of parenting. And I'm like, is this just parenting? Is this the grief? Is this the everything hitting the fan at the same time, which it usually is. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's, yeah, they're definitely interwoven and, I think that's been the the craziest part of it is also not trying to project my feelings, but knowing that she has something there too, that she's trying and trying to pick up on it without pushing like what I'm feeling onto her. Like she doesn't love it when I cry. I will say that. And we've had to unpack that a lot. And I'm like, it is okay to cry. And why is mommy crying? Like, why does that make you upset when mommy cries? And I think it brings her back to probably the feeling that she experienced so long ago. Um, and so we've had to really like, it forces us to like, yeah, challenge, challenge it with each other. Um, I mean, it's given her, you know, one of the things, the beauty in it, the ability, the emotional intelligence already of her um, to to sit in some of these feelings. Like, thinking like about saying goodbye or thinking about life and death in that moment um, has been, I, I don't think that I would have had these conversations. Obviously not. If your spouse, like, like you think about it being a grandparent that that's going to be experienced with first, you know, even to the simple thing of like at his scattering of ashes where we all were together and we were in his favorite, like, football jersey and then one of the things that we did is his favorite color is green and so I know this is not environmentally friendly but I we had this monster balloon uh, and when we scattered the ashes we let the balloon go and it was super cloudy and it just disappeared behind the clouds and for her like she's she was saying goodbye and she was waving to that balloon Uh, and so for her she was able to touch and feel those things Um, and she talks about that balloon all the time like and she's like I wonder if daddy's holding that balloon right now and I'm like oh like maybe and so I think yeah as you as you asked is it it's connected for sure yeah are you going through the unexpected right now this very moment I've been there too in my book unexpected learning to love your unpredictable story I delve into many of the unexpected circumstances of my life an unexpected twin pregnancy autism ADHD diagnosis for my sons, a devastating miscarriage, the loss of my career, dealing with depression and anxiety, being a military wife, and so much more. My book is faith-based, so it may not speak to you in your personal journey. However, I strive to be inclusive and encouraging and not preachy, and women who don't have a personal faith tradition have told me that it has encouraged them. My hope and prayer is that as you are going through this unexpected season, my story will encourage you and provide comfort and support as you bravely walk this unfamiliar path. You can find Unexpected, Learning to Love Your Unpredictable Story on Amazon in print, Kindle, and audiobook format, because if you're a busy mom like me, audiobooks may be the only way you're reading these days. I heard you say that you were a person who wasn't as comfortable talking about your emotions or feelings and how this has shaped you in the way that you interact with your daughter. How has it shaped you like in other ways in your life? Have you Mm -hmm. found that you've been able to, as a woman, has that blossomed in other areas of your life where you've been able to share more of yourself with others and your feelings? Yeah. um, It's shaped me as a leader, as a woman too. Like it's not a like it's that vulnerability um, and compassionate leadership and understanding that everybody's coming with a story to the table and it impacts their ability to work, to live, to, to, to move forward. And so um, through that, I, I went back to work six weeks after on a gradual return and 
uh, he, my husband and I worked in the same workplace. And so he was a leader that was known in Iowa. And I was just like, how am I going to do this? Everyone's just going to be looking at me like the sphere of influence in my personal life to hear. But I'm like, no, I have um, Sheryl Sandberg, uh, CEO of Facebook has written, uh, I think it's option B. Uh, I read that like two weeks after my husband passed away and I jumped into it and say like, how did she lead? I'm not a CEO, nor do I have a position of influence like that. But I'm like, how, how can I, because how do I leverage this? Because it is part of who I am. Not leveraging it as like you use it as a tool, but how can I lead from this place mm-hmm. to be supportive? How and especially during COVID, like everybody's had some sort of loss, whether it's like the capital T uh, uh, trauma or small T trauma or a big loss, like literally like mine. Everybody's lost a way of life. Everybody's lost a way. Uh, some have lost jobs. So I'm like, yeah. Um, this is a part of me. Like I remember moving into this new role and I introduced myself as a leader, what my core values are. And uh, I will say, I, I, I say, I'm not afraid to talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, and the fact is a year ago, I lost my husband. And so um, what does that mean? It means that sometimes things come up that hit me as a leader that I don't understand because I don't know it's hitting me from a place of where that loss is. And so just like you, I want to understand how I can help you through these things because so it's like the iceberg. We don't understand most times who and what is below the surface. So for me, it's like how I look at my employees or how I, I'm saying, okay, there's more to them than what I see. There's an, how can I best support them? So yeah, as, and as a woman, um, like you go through these confidence things when you lose someone too. Like I just felt this lack of confidence. And I'm like, well, I don't need a partner to shape my confidence. That's not what it is. It's that you become unbalanced. you like, you know, you've worked to create this lifestyle together to parent together, and then you lose that. And so I had to, I had to challenge myself back sometimes, like, and just say, you know what, like as silly as it is, because my husband used to say to me, like, you are more, you are enough, you are loved. Uh, and I have that on my computer because I was like that quick reminder that I'm already all these things, but, or, and what can I do with this? I can help people explore the mess in the day-to-day. Like, what is the feelings that are, um, what are, what are they feeling? And how is that maybe impacting the work? Can I give you a break? Like I'm more compassionate that way than I was before. I was more about deliverables and expectations and it's challenged me that way to, to be more patient and kind, kind to myself, mm-hmm. uh, mainly kind to myself. Yeah. I really like the way you talked about how can I use this in my life? Because it's not about ignoring that this history is your history. It's about saying now that this is part of my life, how is this going to shine a new light on every experience and every relationship that I am moving forward in? And I think that your situation is your story, but other women are bringing other types of stories to the equation. Maybe things that were completely unexpected. Like for my life, I have twins and both of them have some special needs um, like autism and ADHD and learning disabilities. And that really grounded me for a bit. Like, it was like, what happened? You know, like, what, Mm. what is this thing? And how am I going to move forward from this like shift in the way I thought my parenting journey was going to go? But it has really 
shaped the way that I have learned to interact in the world, whether I am, you know, feeling more compassionate to a child who has a meltdown in a store, or whether it's my child or somebody else's child, or women I meet online and the conversations we have about parenting, or they're going through their own diagnosis or things like that. It's like using those instances to say, how am I going to show up in new ways in the world mm-hmm. with this burden I'm carrying? And I'm, I, I pause for a moment because I'm like, is that the right word? But I think maybe it is because we are all carrying these burdens. And sometimes we need help shouldering them. And sometimes we can shoulder somebody else's burden and saying, yeah. I'm going to extend my compassion to you so that we can keep upright together. Yes. And then sometimes you have to accept that strength from others because you need help staying upright. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's such a beautiful way to live and be in the world, but it can be so hard too, because it's like shifting that focus and like pushing it outwards and saying, this is how I'm going to live my life, but it does take emotional strength. And I see that in you. So thank you for sharing that with us. So I have a question that I like to ask is, Tell me about who you are on the other side of this story. And I know we talked Mm -hmm. about a little bit in our emails about when did you start feeling like you again? And then you had a really poignant answer for that. So I was wondering if you could share what you wrote to me in our emails. Yeah, I don't, I'm like, I think I had started to, I I talked about it from my parenting journey that I started to feel like myself a few years after my daughter was born and then uh, you lose your spouse and you completely are not yourself anymore. Like, I feel like I lost a part of me, like I had, like, um, I was so off balance. And so I think I have, I don't know who myself is. I think that's what I was saying in the, in the email that I wrote you is that I am having to learn about who my, who I am again. And I don't think that it'll be the same person that I was before. And so it's being able to sit in that place of who that person is becoming and and starting to get comfortable with that person. And I think that is where I am right now, you know, being a year out from a loss, um, there's like having to do all the anniversaries, how to go, having to do all this stuff by myself. And I wasn't by myself. I have a wonderful community, but getting to that point and you're like, and now what, who am I? Uh, And what does that mean now? And so this year, my, my word of the year after my, for New Year's was dreams uh, and future. And so it's like, in order to move forward, you need to have a dream and you need to have a uh, hope for a future. And so for me, it's, I'm dreaming for what possibility, what my, my life might look like now without, um, from where it was to where it is, because my dreams shattered on uh, December 27, 2020. Uh, and where I thought I was going. And so, yeah, I don't think, I think my answer to that was, I'm, I'm going to learn who I am <laughs> in this journey now and who I'm becoming. Yeah. I think that's just really honest. I think so hard. It's, we want to be so certain of like, this is who I am now, you know, even like after we had, like you talked about when you had your daughter and then it took you a couple of years to figure out who you were. I think a lot of times we want to have that definite answer, like the transition time is so hard to just either define, accept, or it's so uncomfortable that we're just like, no, no, no. Like this is, this is who I am now. And I am, I am this person and I'm fine and I'm comfortable. But I think admitting that you're like, I'm in transition. I don't know who I am anymore. 
I'm, it's going to take time to figure it out. I think admitting that is like sometimes half the journey to figuring out who you are and who you're becoming because saying, I don't know, is the best honest answer in the moment. So I think that's a good answer. Thank you. And I think that it's been hardest because like you want to label it too. Like, you know, I'll always say like a mom or a leader or I used to say I'm a wife because I was really proud of that like label, but I could say widow and I've been really struggling with that label. Um, and I'm like, am I that though? Like, and I know some people have a love hate relationship with that word. And, you know, I still have my wedding rings on. It's like, I don't like, it is a journey. And this is like, I'm deciding there's going to be times when things become right again for me. Um, but I'm like who I was, like, I look at marriage as that journey too and parenting. And I'm like, who I was when I met Ian in 2013 is no longer the person that I am today. And I wouldn't have changed anything that's happened on this journey outside of maybe like losing him. Yes. Um, but the, the pieces of myself that I've become through it, you know, um, and so, yeah, I think in next year, I'll have a different answer for you. And then five years from there, it'll be even. Yeah, there's a lot of hope, though, in saying that, that next year, I'm going to be a different person. And in five years, I'm going to be a different person. I think that's a hopeful answer. I think sometimes mm -hmm. we can feel really downtrodden by the transition and thinking, I would just want to cling to that person I was in the past. But if you try to stay there, like, you just feel more and more down because you can't hold on to that person anymore. So you can't keep looking behind, right? Yeah. And so yeah. for me, it's like if I have want to dream and have a hope, I have to to understand that I'll be moving through things, right? It was interesting when you were talking about how losing your husband has made you a more compassionate leader. And I was struck by the fact that you said this was during COVID. And so people have experienced different types of grief and different types of trauma. So our final question is, what would you tell another woman who's walking the same path as you did? And I think in our world right now, there is a lot of loss, either in physical mm -hmm. like death or loss of dreams, but specifically maybe if a woman has lost a significant person in her life, maybe a spouse, maybe it's her mother, maybe it's her best friend, like somebody who has died, what would you tell her if she's listening right now? As like, don't compare yourself to any other journey or pain. I like think we like to minimize um, our pain and our situations to be like, well, you know, that is way worse. Uh, <laughs> and you're right, it might be way worse in circumstance, but it's still real. It's still real to you. And it's still painful and it's still difficult and it's yours. Um, and uh, people do want to share in that. Uh, a lot of people won't know what to say to you. Um, um, and that I think is real and that's okay. So like releasing other people of expectations, even those that are close to you, uh, because going through things like this are really hard. And if you haven't journeyed on them, it's actually really hard to enter into some of those spaces sometimes with people. I'd also say like, I obviously didn't do this alone. Right. So, um, I've definitely had therapy and counseling and coaching. And for me, that has been impactful because, it allows me to journey through some of the challenge points and to kind of speak back to myself um, and to journal and to, to be real with that circumstance. And so for me, and sometimes it's medication too, depending on that journey, like I, it's, it's so, and it's okay to be open about it, but it's also okay not to, if you're not comfortable sharing in those spaces, I think 
that is fine as well. But I think for me, that's been the big thing is that a lot of people won't know what to do or say. Um, and oftentimes we get put in that space that we have to communicate what we need, which is really, really hard because as the survivor or the person going through it, that's a big expectation to put out there. But that's just kind of, that's what it is. And to kind of connect yourself with community. I mean, being in isolation and any of these things, like uh, isolation is a breeding ground for so much, right? It's um, for hopelessness and particularly. Uh, and so, um, and it's a breeding ground for not processing your feelings and not letting those feelings out. It's a time to obviously be quiet, to have space for yourself. But when you're actually feeling in those spaces that are difficult, needing to be part of a community, whether that's um, your kids' friends groups, your friendship group, whether it's a religious group, whatever that is, whether it's um, a bereavement group, having some sort of community speak into you and being there for you um, to champion you and journey with you is I don't think I'd be where I am without that. Like I talk about my work group, my church group, my friend group. Even though my my family is uh, thousands of kilometers away or thousands of miles away, um, I still feel supported. And um, and like into for me also going through that is it's okay to to be in the moment, but you don't want to stay in the wallowing because that that will take over. And it's day by day. You might go eighteen steps forward and then fifty two steps back. And it's cyclical. So those are the things. If you're navigating that, um, there's so much out there for support. And that has been overwhelming for me is to realize that other people are going through a similar journey. Yeah, that's so important. I think, and just so many of the things that you spoke to today about walking with this through your daughter, I just think that was really practical. I think sometimes people think, how does she do that? Or how would I, how would I go through that? And people don't share those stories. So you wonder how can anybody survive? Like, how would I speak to my own children if they lost their dad or if I lost my husband or whatever it may be? So I think that the way you spoke about it today and just said, this is what I did. And these are the conversations I had and the videos we recorded. I think that gave us a little glimpse into what it means to walk through a deep loss and still live you lived through it and you are living like, and you are continuing to walk and live through that. So thank you for opening up that window for us to see. Not a problem. There are moments and times. And I think I said this in my email to you is you think about this and you hear these stories and you're like, I would never be able to survive. And I remember we had a friend that something go through this journey. And I was like, I could never go back to work. I could never do this. I would never be able to do this without you. And then you do. Uh, and then you're like, holy cow. <laughs> and so how did I do that? And so I think that's what I think is so good about hearing people's stories and navigating is because it is that motivator. And that's one of the things is I found a group of people in a podcast and a course that really helped me navigate it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's where they are 18 months from now. I could be there too. And so I saw hope again. So it was, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for even talking reaffirming that in myself yes yeah I think that that's the power of storytelling is that it provides a window of hope to say this is not what I'm in right now is not all there is in life for me because someone else has walked this path and as I am moving forward that could be my story as well 
well, to end up our time together, I feel like this is a jarring transition we're making here <laughs> to kind of our, I do these rapid fire questions at the end, and this has been such an um, emotional conversation. So, but we have our rapid fire questions that are just for fun. So are you ready for these? Yes. All right. The first one is, which Disney princess would you like to take out to coffee? Oh my gosh, my daughter would love this question. She's a fan. Okay, uh, I have to take Princess Anna because I am curious. I am curious about, like, you know, she she had wanted to jump into that marriage thing pretty quickly, and then also to be a story, uh, the sister of someone like Elsa. So. Yes, I love her energy. She's great, and she's so like spontaneous. Yeah, I think she'd just be a lot of fun. All right, what is one thing you must have on your nightstand? I have my lavender pillow spray, <laughs> my night spray. Uh, I think one of the things is like grounding myself before I fall asleep and creating routines. That's one of the things I've learned in grief is like creating these safe routines and making sure that I spray my pillow, relax, have my moments. So yeah. Yeah, that's great. Your go-to treat after your daughter goes to bed. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> a tea, actually. I love to have my uh, vanilla sleepy time tea. Mm, I love tea too. That's, that's nice. That's a nice routine. An ordinary moment that brings you great joy. An ordinary moment that brings me great joy, uh, oftentimes is dinner time. And for me, it's where we talk about my daughter and I, uh, what we are grateful for each day and what was the best part of her day. And so it's just the conversation that comes up from that, like makes me laugh or makes me uh, tear up a little bit because I just I'm like wow um, this is life you know um, and it is good even in the hard times and so dinner time is pretty special to me because after the fight of eating the vegetables you know here we are yeah <laughs> you need a little sweetness after that fight I know that exactly <laughs> yeah the last show you binged and loved Oh gosh, this is embarrassing. Uh, I actually am watching Inventing Anna that just came out on Netflix about the faux German heiress uh, that constructed her life basically with the, and kind of swindled the New York elite. And I just find the story interesting around her passions, her dreams, and what that took. So I haven't watched that, but it sounds like I would really like it. So I'm going to have to check that one out too. Check that one out. Yeah. If you run out of this besides milk, you have to go to the store. Goodness me. Kombucha. I love kombucha. Yeah. Is that your, is that a go-to drink for you? Yeah. That is a go-to drink between the tea and, well, I guess kombucha is tea. So I have to go to the store for that. You're like all the tea all the time. Yes. All the time. And which I'm a huge coffee drinker, which is funny that I said tea is my, you know, whatever, but. Your heart is seeking. (laughs) Who makes you laugh? Oh my gosh. Harper. Like the things she does uh, and says, um, I'm just like, okay, okay. Um, like what we were out trick-or-treating for Halloween and I just want to share this because I do find it kind of funny. And um, she's walking and there's this little one-year-old or two-year-old in a chicken costume. Uh, and we'd saw him going into the store and then we see him coming out and the chicken just scatters across the road. And she's like, so why did the chicken cross the road, mom? <laughs> That's so cute. Her time, her timing is perfect. (laughs) Comical timing. So yeah, great. When you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Seriously, I wanted to be a cashier at a store because they got all the money. Is what I 
<laughs> you're like they have the cash box and i want that <laughs> i didn't really get that they didn't get to keep that money yeah. but uh yeah i still remember that <laughs> that's so cute what are you looking forward to what am i looking forward to um i'm actually looking forward to taking my daughter to disney world uh for her fifth birthday we have one of the you know, I talked about embracing my husband and experiences. And one of our favorite photos is him and his sister in the Disney teacups. And then I have one of my husband and I in the Disney teacups. So we were going to go take a picture at the Disney teacups together. Aww. And so, yeah, we, that's how we're keeping some of the journey alive. So that's really uh, November, November 20, I guess we're in 2022, November, 2022, they're going to go. Oh, that's great. I hope you guys have a wonderful time. That's really special Me too. All right, last one. Get out of the country. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. You know, we need to travel again. Yeah. Yes. All right, last one. Finish this sentence. Motherhood is? A journey. I know that's cliche, but uh, yeah, a journey. Yeah, that's good. All right, thank you so much, Danielle. I really appreciate your openness and just sharing about your husband and just letting us hear about Ian. Like that was really beautiful and your heart and your journey. And I know that this is going to encourage people and just meet them where they're at. So thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for your time today. Too. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode today. I hope it encouraged you and gave you some good food for thought. If you're loving this podcast, I love if you could write a review in Apple Podcasts or leave some stars in Spotify. These reviews mean so much to me, and they also help boost the show so new listeners will find the podcast too. I'd also love to have you join us over on our Facebook page. You can find it by searching for the Motherhood Metamorphosis Podcast. Finally, you can dig in deeper into the podcast by becoming a Patreon supporter. For this summer, I'm really excited about the special bonus gift for $5 a month supporters. It's a free audible download of my book, Unexpected, Learning to Love, Your Unpredictable Story. The book is narrated by me, and let me tell you, it was a labor of love, and I may never, ever narrate another audiobook again. But for anyone who has said they like my podcast voice, here you go, a whole book of me podcast voicing. $3 per month patrons will also receive access to a really pretty instant download printable that says, be kind to yourself, which I don't know about you, but I need that reminder in my head on the daily. You can find the Patreon account at Patreon slash The Motherhood Metamorphosis. Thank you again for listening and for all your support of this podcast. If you ever have any questions, comments, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email me at BrittanyAMing at gmail.com. Yeah. How, what's the connection between you and Kelly? So Kelly and I have only met online. So that's our whole wow. friendship. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, we, I've known her about 14 years because my, my boys are twin. My oldest are twins like hers. They're really close in age. I think they're only like two weeks apart, her twins and my twins. Wow. So we were part of this cloth diapering Facebook group because we both did cloth diapers and then we were like oh you have twins and then we just started chatting and then we like became Facebook friends and then we've just been in each other's Facebook feed and then you know sharing life through Facebook and then oh, chatting, wow. yeah and this chatting um you know through messenger occasionally and so our friendship has just been this wonderful 
you know, long distance friendship over the years. So it's been, but I've never met her in person. So I think oh, it's she's really a cool. spectacular lady. So yeah, yeah, she is. I mean, I've really enjoyed just getting to know her through the years too. And I just did a little cross stitch portrait for her family. And that was really fun. And I don't know, it's just like little things like that. They're that special. So I, um, when I was thinking I was going to connect with you today, I'm like, here I am. Kelly has brought us together, but I have never spoken to Kelly in real life. 